I'm an owner and the chief operating officer at Zambezi. We are an independent creative agency and one of the largest female-owned businesses in Los Angeles. I was employee number five eight years ago and an owner today. By the end of 2016, Zambezi will be a $30 million company. I feel a sense of urgency to help empower women in the advertising industry. Never has there been so much discussion on the role of women and its connection to the future of this business. I believe in the line, you can't be what you can't see. And my hope is to not be a perfect example, but a positive one. My name is Jean Freeman, Chief Operating Officer at Zambezi Los Angeles. Celebrating the work, lives, and achievements of women in Western North America, The Drum presents Exceptional Women Out West, hosted by The Drum North America Editor-at-Large, Doug Zanger. Let's ask three questions. What was your biggest victory, and how did you deal with it? I mean, I would say my biggest victory in my career thus far has been being able to take over ownership of Zambezi, which happened last March, March 2015. You know, not many people get to say that they were able to buy out Kobe Bryant. And <laughs> I mean, I think that experience has really given me the confidence to know that I can really accomplish anything that I put my mind to in business. Explain the Kobe Bryant relationship because I don't think necessarily people know yeah. that story. Yeah, so Zambezi was founded in 2006 and Kobe was the main investor and majority owner. And the idea for Zambezi at its time when it was found was to really be focused on everything Kobe. The first project that Zambezi did was his website, which today is still one of the top player websites that's out there. But the business evolved to not be all around Kobe. I mean, we took on big clients like Coca-Cola, TaylorMade, Foot Locker. So it just kind of reached a natural point where what the company started off to be was not what the company was today. So I was part of the ownership group that came in in 2015 to buy him out and continue the success of what this company has. Who made you? And I'm using that in air quotes. And how did they do that and why? You know, I have a pretty unique childhood. I moved around a lot as a child and... I think by the time I was 15, had been in five different states and four different schools. So I was used to being the new kid. I was used to being in situations where you had to go up and introduce yourself. And I think that adaptability has really served me well. You know, my father ended up his career as a CEO and we moved around because he just continued to get better marketing job opportunities. And, you know, he made the decisions of what was best for our family. And I remember when I was 15, my dad took me to a focus group, and it was a focus group for Disney consumer products. <laughs> and that just completely opened my eyes to what marketing could do, the idea of marketing, and the fact that you can make a living trying to understand what customers really want. So that really piqued my interest in marketing and has been a pivotal part in my progression in, into advertising. That's interesting. Not a lot of kids, I mean, some kids think they want to do what their parents do. Mm-hmm. You know, others don't. Was yeah. it pretty obvious to you that that was the direction that you really wanted to go, or did you consider other directions? For a while, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. All through college, yeah. I was 
on that track. And then I decided that I actually really wanted to go into the Peace Corps. So I was slated to go into the Peace Corps after my college graduation. And in fact, how I fell into advertising was just kind of a fluke. Isn't it funny how so many people, I, I, same thing, but please continue. Yeah, I mean, it just shows you life, decisions that you make at certain times just put you on the path. And was lucky enough, once I decided to not go into the Peace Corps, because I was slated to leave to go to the South Pacific, and then... Civil War broke out in the South Pacific, so I decided maybe that's not the best. Likely not, yeah. Maybe the not best place for me to be. So I just applied for a job at Fallon just on a, it was a total fluke in Minneapolis. Right. And was lucky enough to get an assistant account executive position. <laughs> and then my career in advertising began. It's interesting. I like to say that life is pretty much a series of moments. It's what you do with them that makes the difference. Exactly. How many like little moments have you had? I mean, that's Fallon's a moment and how have the moments progressed over time? I had an amazing two and a half years of Fallon. To have that be your first exposure to advertising, I realized that now in hindsight. When I was there, David Lubars was the ECD, Alex Lakey was my account director. I mean, I was surrounded by incredible people. Mm -hmm. I had a personal relationship with Pat Fallon. It was just a great family atmosphere. From there, I went to grad school at Northwestern, mm -hmm. and upon graduation of Northwestern, I decided to move to Portland, Oregon. I'm familiar with that place. I know. <laughs> and I moved to Portland at a time when unemployment was at its highest. I'm familiar with that, too. <laughs> so it took me a while to break in. You know, I was a college athlete. I had always dreamed of working at Nike. I was meant to be at Nike. Mm -hmm. And it really took a blow to my self-confidence that I wasn't able to penetrate getting in to Nike for about nine months. Mm -hmm. And I found side jobs because I was very laser focused on working at Nike. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing I found once I started working at Nike is I think I had built it up so much in my mind of what I thought the experience was gonna be like. Um, I didn't last that long. So I think that was a great learning period for me because not every job that you have is a positive one. Not every experience you have is where you're showing your best work or your best self. But I do feel to be an effective manager and leader, you have to experience disappointment because if you don't, you're just not going to be empathetic at all to anyone. Absolutely. If you could give yourself advice on your first day of work, knowing what you know now, there's the caveat. What would it be? As I said, I was lucky to get a job at Fallon, but within my second week of working, I decided to get my nose pierced and streak my hair blue. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, for now in advertising, it's not that not that uncommon. But geez, in Minneapolis, but in Minneapolis, time, and oh, oh. you know, I. My style is more J. Crew, so I think it was a little bit of shock to people when I what, decided right, to do that. What did Pat Fallon say about that? Oh, he just rolled his eyes. And I mean, <laughs> I think there's a lot that you learn from becoming more mature. There's a natural maturity that comes with age and experience. And I think the one thing that I did really early in my career is I did a lot of talking. I was like a bull in a china shop. I had so much confidence. I had so much energy. I knew how to run the place, and I right, had just right. gotten there. But I wasn't doing a lot of listening, and I think that's the thing that I, if I could you know, rewind time and be my 22-year-old self, I would advise myself to listen more. 
and to really hear what people are saying. Because uh, that is a skill that I feel that I've had to really work on as I've progressed in my career. And it serves you well to really listen to people, I feel. Let's get to the must list. What is a must do? This is more of a personal one, but I feel that everyone should experience a U.S. national park at some point in their lives. I mean, we have such a bounty of unique places to visit, and it's something that I did growing up. My family wasn't big into camping, but I was exposed to it as a child, and right. you know, I'm taking my kids to Yosemite for their spring break. Crater Lake National Park in Southern Oregon, I think, is one of the most beautiful places. There's something about being outdoors that puts things in perspective to me and disconnecting with the hustle and the craziness that is today's marketing world. It's good to go 24 hours without cell reception and being outside makes you tough. And I think at times that's a good thing. What's a must experience? You know, from a professional standpoint, I wouldn't be where I am today without exposure to different work environments. I've worked at small companies, I've worked at startups, I've worked at billion dollar companies, I've worked at family owned companies. And I think that is the greatest gift that you can give yourself for your career. Because the more types of environments you experience, that's how you know how you wanna be a leader. It's a worldview that you mm -hmm. build through that. What's a must read? The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz, who has you know, started three companies. He's now uh, a very successful venture capitalist. This is a book I suggest anyone who's thinking about starting a business or taking over a business. Whereas a lot of business books can be very theoretical, this has a lot of practical application. Mm -hmm. I even brought it. Is there a particular passage that you like? It's a very no-nonsense perspective on management. People always ask me, what's the secret about being a successful CEO? Sadly, there is no secret, but if there's one skill that stands out, it's the ability to focus to make the best move when there are no good moves. It's the moments that you feel like hiding or dying that you can make the biggest difference as a CEO. In the rest of this chapter, I offer some lessons on how to make it through the struggle without quitting or throwing up too much. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole book is written from that perspective and that's why he wrote it because he didn't feel that anyone was speaking in a real, in a real sense to people who wanted to start running businesses because it's very hard. So that's a book I always recommend. What is a must learn? I feel that hearing the word no and learning how to respond to no is something that you have to learn over the course of your career. I think when you're early in your career, you hear the word no and you think it's never going to happen. I can't do it. And the more experience you get, you see that no is just a starting point for a discussion. And if it's something that you really want, it's up to you to figure out to make it a yes to do further investigation, to really get to the bottom of why the interpretation is no. Because that's my point of view. I really do think no is someone's personal interpretation. What's a question you've never been asked that you would love someone to ask you and what would that answer be? I think that the question would be, you have a very stressful life and job. How do you manage that stress? And 
while on the surface that might seem like a pretty boring question, it is something that I have really gone through in the last few years. You know, as you progress in your career, the stakes only become bigger. And with each level that you move up, the pressure is greater and greater. And, you know, you look to make immediate decisions. It's kind of like that passage I just read from Ben Horowitz. Mm -hmm. You have to make decisions even when you don't have perfect information. It might not be the best decision, but it's the best option. And it causes extreme stress. The circle of people that you can really talk with and vet through issues becomes really small. The line is, it's pretty lonely at the top. I mean, there's, it is because there's limited things that you can bounce off other people. So it's really important to manage your stress when you're in those type of positions. And I think that's why you're seeing very visible business leaders talk about the importance of taking care of your mind with things like meditation. So, I mean, I took a meditation class when I was 22 and I've attempted to continue to have that be part of what I do because I do feel for a person in an executive role, being able to clear your mind and having the ability to be able to do that is necessary because the stress just keeps on adding up. Mm -hmm. Here's where I compliment you. There's no other way to say it than just what it is. Here's where I compliment you. And it's interesting because we, we had this conversation and I know that you know, you're clearly an advocate for women-owned business and women-owned progression in the industry. But I'm intrigued because you've mentioned, you know, Dave Lubars, Pat Fallon, and there are a lot of men, but I also know that those, those guys real allies, not just for women, but for diversity throughout the industry. Where I'm complimenting you is the fact that you took all of those pieces and identified that you're bringing the whole of the industry together, but you're focusing the lens on women. And it's really obviously very important. And what you've done so far, you're one of the largest women-owned businesses in Los Angeles, right? Yes. Zambezi's number 45 in Los Angeles. That's got to make you feel great. Yeah. There's also tremendous, there's tremendous responsibility with that too, isn't there? Yes. Where do you see the progression of your advocacy going? Particularly in marketing and advertising, we have to open up the dialogue for ways for women to be successful. And I use my story as part of that. You know, I have two children. Six weeks after the birth of my second child was coordinating the number three Zambezi office move. So I've been on both sides of the fence where I've had a nice maternity leave and then as an independent contractor, having no leave at all. And I think that's important for people to understand. And I think the advocacy also for women, but also for working families. We have moms and dads that work here at Zambezi. And I think that's important to recognize as well, that the idea of the family and a working family, people wanna be in environments where they know that that's understood and it's valued. So it's not like, I wonder if this is okay, because that, sen- that tends to be endemic to not just our culture in the industry, but the culture in the United States as well. Yes. And I feel, as a business owner, it's my duty to be a voice for that, be a voice for the change, have Zambezi be a place where these types of policies 
these types of views are actually put into practice. We just don't have a diversity committee and nothing actually happens of that. I believe in walking the walk to that. And I think you've seen that in the past year since I've taken ownership over Zambezi. You know, we're on the heels of our 10th anniversary. We've moved into this great new office in Culver City. I mean, it feels like a new company. It feels that there's a new energy here. And I think we're going to be a company to watch in the future of how to do things differently in the advertising industry. This is the part of the show where you get to talk about whatever you want. So the floor is yours. So I have two young children and an amazing husband. My children are eight and five, so they're a handful. And one thing we did when they were young is we sent them to a French immersion preschool. My husband and I don't speak French, and it's been amazing to see them learn to speak fluent French, and they also speak Spanish as well. I'm so proud of my kids every day because I feel that they're, even at a young age, so much smarter than I am. And I think that's what you can really do as a parent is to give them experiences that you never had or ways to have them be successful in today's world. It's always baffling to me that in the United States, we don't really learn other languages. We don't learn other cultures. And I'm an example of that. I only speak English and really bad Spanish. <laughs> but I think that's been one of the smartest decisions that we've made as a family, is giving our kids that worldview. And you also meet really interesting people. You meet people that are different than you. And our school is very international, and that makes it a, just such an enriching experience for my kids and for my husband and myself. What's one piece of advice or wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? to wrap up the show as the last word for now. I've always done really well by following my instincts. And I think that is something that has never led me down the wrong path. And I always encourage people to continue to trust your instinct. You're gonna have people tell you that you're crazy. You're gonna have people not believe in you, no matter what idea it is you're thinking but you know yourself better than anybody. I'm a big believer in that. Really appreciate you taking the time. Great new space, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you.